You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. doing today? Good, good to see you. I think all of you know me. My name is Pastor John. I'm on staff here, and uh, thank you, whoever whistled. <laughs> uh, you, I think you all know, too, that two weeks ago, Pastor Bob called my wife and I up on stage during the announcements to let everyone know that we are leaving to plant a church in Cape Coral. And if you didn't know, surprise. <laughs> Uh, so you can imagine that my wife and I have uh, been making some big decisions over the last year. One of the biggest is to plant a church, but then there's been some other big decisions that we didn't realize were going to be as tough as they were. One of those is actually naming the church. I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's a lot of pressure, really. I mean, it's kind of like naming a kid because this is the name that's going to stick throughout the years, and so you kind of want to get it right. And I'd been kind of talking with Bob about this process for a while, and he would be saying to me, John, you've got to you got to pick a name. Have you picked a name yet? I'm like, well, not yet. And he's like, you got to pick one. You realize you can't have no name. You got to pick a name. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And in my, I was thinking like, God, this is your church, right? It's your church. Don't you want to name it? I mean, so I kept waiting for him to just kind of drop it on my lap, but it just never seemed to happen. And we, we told my daughter, Charlotte, that we were moving to plant a church. I'm like, we're going to go plant a church. She got all excited. And I said, what do you think the name should be? And she said, Rockstar Church. Yeah. <laughs> And so we, we actually considered this idea, kind of entertained it. And did you know there's already a rock star church out there? Ch- check it out. This is their webpage right here. This is real. This is real. And so if you're ever in Fort Worth, Texas, you can come rock with us, if you'd like, on Sunday at 9 a.m. So, you know, so we, we, we thought, well, okay, so we were this close to naming it Rockstar Church, but we went in another direction, and instead we named it Faith Generation. So that's the name of the church. Thank you. And uh, if you want, you can follow us along at myfaithgeneration.com. So if you want to write that down, you can see what we're up to. But doing things, uh, some things as life-changing as planting a church often comes with a lot of questions. Many people have asked us, how do you know you were called to plant a church? Uh, how, how do you, when you get there, how do you plant the church, right? Uh, are, will you be selling your house? Are you going to be renting it? And why Cape Coral? Is it because uh, it's nice over there or you kind of enjoy that area? The houses are cheaper. It's good for families. Um, why did you pick it, right? They're asking us. And last time this year, let me just tell you, we had no idea where we were going to plant the church. We just believed that we were called to plant one, but we didn't know where. And so for my wife and I, when you think about it, this is a life-altering decision because we're going to spend the next 20 years to life and wherever this area is, and we're going to raise our kids there. We're going to labor for the kingdom of God in this place. And so how do we know these things? How do we know Cape Coral? Did we just like spin a globe, right? And then you just point at it and wherever it stops, that's where you're going to plant the church. Or did you like put a map of Florida up on the wall and throw a dart and wherever it landed, that would be it? Did you call your relatives and be like, quick, name a city in Florida? Okay, no, <laughs> that's it. Uh, how, how do you an- find the answers to questions like these? How do you find the answers to big questions in life? Because we all have them. I mean, there's some people here right now that are wondering the person that they're dating, are they the one, right? That's a big question. Or, or maybe you're just thinking, how do I even find the one that's potentially the one? And when they show up, how will I know it's them? 
Or if you're younger here today, maybe you're thinking, what am I going to do with my life? That's a big question. Or, or maybe you're deciding as a couple, should we have another child? Or is it now time to change careers? Or maybe even, uh, which house should I buy? You see, life comes with big decisions and we want to get it right. Because if we don't get it right, it actually can cost us a lot. We, uh, big decisions are made wrong can really come with big consequences. If you make a bad financial decision, sometimes, and we've all made them, right? It, it set us back financially. And sometimes we had to alter our lifestyle. Think about this. We had to alter our lifestyle just to make up for that decision. Maybe you're, you, you've dated the wrong person for a few years. I think kind of we've all been there, right? We've dated the wrong person. And what happened? We realized we wasted so much time. And some of it came with like emotional scars that we still have to deal with because we made a poor decision. And um, sometimes I just wish, though, that God would just answer these questions for us, don't you? I, I think, I wish I could just walk outside, look up at the clouds, they would part, and in the thunder, I would hear God speaking me to me about the answer that I'm looking for. I mean, we've all been there, like, God, why don't you just speak? Or maybe, you don't have to speak, but maybe there'll just be a sign in the clouds, like they'll form something, like a unicorn, I don't know, and that will help me with whatever it is that I'm going through right now. And uh, maybe we would have a dream at night or a vision and Jesus would just come to us, put his arm around us and tell us everything we needed to know. Or as I'm driving down the road, this car would like cut me off and there on the license plate, it would say exactly what I needed to hear. And we're like hearing from God through license plates. If that ever happens, I don't know. But I've already tried stuff like that. It's the truth of the matter. Uh, long before I dated my wife, Carolina, I was dating someone and I dated her a couple years, and so it was getting to that point where you have to try to decide, well, am I going to stick this one out, or am I going to go with someone new? So I, I, I got on a plane, and I'm thinking, should I marry this person? And I had read this book about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and, and, and I got this idea from the book, but I thought, listen, I'm going to pray about this, and if I get back from my trip, and she has made me a homemade peach pie, because she doesn't like to, to cook then I'll know she's the one. <laughs> so I land, we get there, she picks me up, and she is very excited to tell me that she had cooked a homemade pie. But it was apple. <laughs> so I didn't marry her. I wish I could tell you this wasn't a true story, but it is. So, I mean, we've all done it, right? We do these crazy things where like, we wait on the phone and we're like, if he calls in the next 10 minutes, I'll know he's the one right? Or we'll be like, if, if a, a car drives by right now, I know that the answer will be yes, right? And we're just like looking to see from God, how are you going to speak to us? Or maybe we just kind of flip through the Bible and then we just kind of point our finger there and see if it's the right scripture verse and God's going to speak to us through that. And like, come on, don't tell me you haven't done that too, right? We all have done that. But sometimes God actually does speak to us. I remember two weeks ago when Bob did announced this. The morning, it was my normal reading, and I was going through my daily reading, and I opened it up, and this was the very first verse. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. God was confirming that morning that that's what he wanted to do, but it doesn't always happen that way. And today, I want to share with you our story, story that my wife and I have been, and the journey that we've been on in the last year or so. And and we're also going to look uh, at a man in the Bible Uh, who discovered his own destiny. And so if you kind of want to get there ahead of time, it's in Galatians chapter one. So if you have a Bible app or whatever it is, or if you open up the outline that you have, you'll see the verses there. 
But I'm going to point out some principles that my wife and I live by, and I'm also going to share some biblical principles that help guide us during this time. And here's my hope. My hope is that through the Bible and through my story, it's going to help you with the decisions that you have, because some of you are facing big decisions right now. But if you aren't, you will be soon. And so I hope that these things are going to help you to avoid and spare the consequences of making a wrong decision. So let's get started. The man that I am speaking about is actually Paul the Apostle, and he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Paul was a Jew who was opposed to this new sect of Jews that were following Christians. See, the Christian, Christianity grew out of the Christian faith, and so these people are going off to follow Jesus because they thought he was the Messiah, but, Jesus, uh, but Paul was so opposed to Jesus, he was actually arresting Christians and bringing them back for trial. And some of them were actually, they were being killed. And so on this one trip, he gets this letter from the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the, the, and, the, um, and the Sanhedrin. And he takes this letter to go to Damascus to bring back Jewish uh, Christians in chains back to Jerusalem. And on his way there, he has this conversion experience where he actually meets the risen Jesus right there on the road. He gets blinded and he then becomes convinced that Jesus actually is the Messiah and everything flips for him. And so he decided to dedicate his life at that point to tell others about Jesus. And through him, he has become known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, a Gentile means everybody that's not Jewish. So that means every other nation, like Italians or Greek or Cuban. If you're Cuban, you're probably a Gentile, okay, if you're not Jewish. So, so that's what it meant. So it's important to understand, like I said earlier, that Christianity grew out of the Jewish faith. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles, the apostles were Jewish. The Bible was Jewish that they read. In fact, your Old Testament, if you were to look at it, is the same Bible that the Jewish people study today. So the early church saw Christianity as a religion for the Jews. That's where it came from. And, and a Gentile woman actually one time came up to Jesus and she said, can you heal my son? And Jesus looked at her and he says this, it's in an outline, he says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Jesus said, yeah, this is who I've come to first. And, and so he was actually doing this to test her faith and then that, to see if God was for her too. And God was for her and he does do the healing. I just want you to know that. But Jesus later introduces to this Jewish community the idea that Christianity was actually for everyone. In this verse, he tells his disciples, I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So these other sheep are the Gentiles, that's you and I. And he says, I'm gonna join that flock with the Jewish flock and we're gonna become one gigantic flock. And the fact that Paul would be known as the apostle to the Gentiles was just really not really an obvious choice. And the, the reason he isn't an obvious choice is because he was so Jewish. He was like the Jew of all Jews. Listen to how he describes himself in the book of uh, Philippians, a letter that he wrote. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I mean, this guy, right? He's painting this picture. There, there's nobody more Jewish than me, he says. And so with credentials like that, think about this for a minute. Wouldn't you think he'd be called to the Jews? 
Like, right? Wouldn't you relate to the Jews? Wouldn't they look at you and go like, wow, you're the ultimate Jew. Whatever you say is true, right? That's what we would think. But that's not what he's called to. He's called to the Gentiles. You know who gets called to the Jews? Peter. Peter never even went to rabbinical school. The guy's a fisherman. And it's like, God does weird things, right? It's like, who is this guy? And so it doesn't make any sense. And it's not the logical choice. But the thing is, it was God's choice. And that's why the first principle in your outline is this. I want you to write this down if you would. Ask God because godly guidance comes from God. God and godly guidance only comes from God. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? If you want godly guidance, you've got to go to God. If you, want to be, if you want God to be part of the decision or part of the answer or part of the solution, you have to ask him. And the truth is, I think we all in some way want to be guided by God because we think that would be the right thing. And that's the first thing Paul does after his conversion. And he writes it here in Galatians, his story. He says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia and later returned to the city of Damascus. The first thing that Paul does is he doesn't go up and check with some other people and see what they say and tell everybody the things that were on his heart. No, he goes off to Arabia. And scholars say that he went into the desert for three long years to spend time studying and hearing from God. He didn't go to other people. He went right to the source. So Paul made it a point before anything to first seek what God had to say. And if you want God's guidance, I mean, the truth is you have to go to him. And even though, I mean, think about this, even though it makes sense, I mean, this, this, this little sentence, this little saying I said, it's like, yeah, this makes sense. I kind of know that. We often fail to do it, don't we? I mean, if we want God in on it, why don't we ask him more about being, doing the things or asking him to be a part of it? Perhaps we just don't want God to ruin our plans, right? It's like, God, I, this is what I want to do, but I'm worried you're not going to say that that's what you want me to do, right? Because we, we want him to agree with us, not us have to agree with him. And so sometimes we don't want to. And another reason is that sometimes we don't, I don't think we realize this, but seeking God comes with two things, asking and also listening. You see, sometimes we only do the one part. We first ask right? And asking is, that's, that's just really what we call prayer. I pray to God about the things that's going on in my life. And so I'm asking him. But if I want to hear from him, I also have to listen. And that means reading God's word, reading the Bible. You see, listening comes from reading God's word. The Bible tells us this, your lamp is a, is a excuse me, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light into my path. If you've ever been in a dark place, you want a light to shine where you're going. And, and God's making this picture for us when it comes to hard decisions. We don't know the answer. It seems like it's dark. And he says, my word is the lamp that's going to show you the way. My word, that's how I'm going to reveal to you and speak to you what you need to hear. So a lot of us, we pray, but we don't always read to hear what God has to say to us. Paul went to the desert to study the scriptures and listen to God. Think about that for a minute. The first thing he said is this, I need to hear from God. You know, some people ask me, how did we know we were called to plant a church? And the truth is, my wife and I have been listening to God for a very long time. 
When we began to take this idea seriously, I did a few things to seek God and to know what he was going to do or wanted us to do. First, I started writing scriptures that I thought God had led me to. So as I was reading the Bible and I was praying to God because I would ask, Lord, do you want us to do this? Then I would read his word and I would see what he had to say. And so I wrote those scriptures down. I also started fasting regularly. And another thing I did was I took my wife to a church planting conference. It's called Exponential, and it happens every year in Orlando, Florida, where they train and they help people understand what it means to plant the church. And I'll be honest, I, I just wanted to see uh, what God was going to say. I believed that he was asking me to do this, but I also had to see if my wife was called to do it, because if my wife's not called to do it, it's going to be one miserable, unfun opportunity, right? It's not going to work out very well. And my wife, when we got married, she said, John, I will go wherever you want me to go. And she reminds me of that verse. But now was the time to prove it, right? It's like, this is, it's getting real. And the conference was not exactly what we had expected. You know, we thought we would be encouraged and all these other things. But what we kept hearing was, listen, if you're not called to do this, don't do it. But through every message we heard and the scriptures that were shared and even through the worship, we kept hearing that this was where God had led us. And I'll be honest, over the next few years, I began to see my wife blossom into the person that God had called her to be. I knew that she had gifts. I knew that God had given her uh, the, the right things that she needed. But I began to see it more. She, you, maybe you, you saw her host here for the, mar- uh, the women's retreat. And she also hosted at the marriage retreat with myself. And, and her growth group just, it always grew, but it just grew more and more. And I saw her becoming a leader among women. And I saw her just blossoming into the person and her embracing the role of being a a minister in this church. And so I saw God doing these things and he kept confirming it through the verses that he was giving us. Now, I know not all decisions that we make are big and no matter what the size though, I think we all wanna get it right. And so if you wanna get it right, you need to be sure that you ask God to help you find the answer because godly guidance can only come from God. That's the only place it's gonna come from. But after Paul's experience in Arabia, in the desert, he then confirmed things with other people. Listen to what it says in Galatians as we read further. He says, Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God what I am writing to you is not a lie. And so after the three years, he goes up and he sees Peter and James. And now why does he say, I tell you, it's the truth, it's not a lie? Because Peter and James were the head of the church. I mean, they were kind of like the celebrities. Like, really, you got in to talk to them? And he's like, yeah, I went there to get confirmation from them. And Paul wanted to see, like, even though he'd spent this time in the desert with Jesus, he still wanted to see that he wasn't crazy. And so here's the the next fill-in for your outline is consult others because perspective comes from many points of view. You see, perspective comes from different points of view. And you would think, again, after spending three years in the desert, that Paul kind of goes, yeah, I got this. I heard from God. But he wants to make sure, like, did I really hear from God? Here's all the things that God had given me. And here's some people that see me or know me in my life. And like, is this line up with what they're seeing? So it's important to ask people, but also the right people not just the ones that will agree with us. Who here has a friend that you know they're going to agree with you with almost anything you tell them, right? They're always there. And then when you're feeling down, they're the ones you go to because you know they're just going to be like, yeah, I know, it's, it's okay, it's all right. Yeah, you're right, you know? And, but we don't want to go to those people. We have to go to the people who are in the position who will know best. And listen, no matter how smart you are, there's, 
there's some perspective that you can't see. Take this for an example. Your body is your own, right? And you probably know your body pretty well. But there's some parts of your body you can't see, right? You have to go to the mirror just to see your face. Think about that for a minute, right? So no matter what decision you come up with, no matter how much you think you know something, somebody else's perspective is helpful. Listen, don't tell me you guys haven't done this. You haven't pulled out your phone, taken a selfie really quick just to check to see if your hair is okay, right? We all do it. So listen, there's just some perspective, some things that we need other people's perspective on. And God will speak through other people. Listen to this verse that says in Proverbs, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Lots of times we don't want to seek counsel. And once again, the idea of counsel often brings with it that they might not agree with what we want or what we are desiring to do. But if you really want to know the truth, you'll seek it. One of the first people I spoke to was my pastor, Pastor Bob. And Bob has known me for 20 years. I knew him even before we planted the church because I went to the Bible college where he was a dean. And he had been my leader through these 20 years. He's seen the good. He's seen the bad. He's had experience planting churches and coaching other church planters. So I was thinking, man, his confirmation is pretty important. If a guy who knows me and he wants the best for me says yes, then man, that's a pretty good sign. And and I'll be honest with you, when I went to tell him this, I was very nervous. I I guess I was just thinking, he's going to, I'm thinking, what if he says, John, you're not ready. I've I've been watching you all these years and there's some things you really got to work on. You're just not ready. I was like, man, there's a possibility he's going to say no. And then what am I going to do? Right? Because I believe God's going to confirm things through his word, but he's also going to confirm it through what others have to say. You know, um, it was really scary going in there because at the time that I told him, I had no idea where we were going to plant the church. So imagine going to your boss. Yeah, we're going to leave. Where are you going? I don't know. Like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> okay. But that's not what he said. He said, John, he goes, you know, to be honest, he goes, I always thought you were going to leave, but you just kept staying. And then I say, yeah. And then the next thing he said is like, how can I help? And so Pastor Bob's been behind it 100%. And every time we've been meeting throughout this last year, like once a week, and he just keeps encouraging me and helping me make decisions. And and he's been the best guide for me. And he also went to the board and the board agreed too. In fact, the board has agreed to support us financially through the rest of this year and six months into the next year. So yeah, you can clap for that if you want. It was a wow there. And so I just want to take a moment actually to thank you guys because when you guys give here at Calvary, you guys are giving uh, to Faith Generation and to other ministries beyond the walls here. So I'm grateful for that. At one point though, no matter where you are, no matter what God's put into your heart, because you guys are, some of you guys are probably stirring up things as I'm speaking and you're thinking about what God is maybe calling you to do or the decisions that you have to make. At one point, you have to speak what God has placed into your heart, into existence. Because a lot of times we keep it inside and as long as it's inside, we don't have to do anything, right? We don't have to take that step. But at one point, you have to make the thoughts in your head and the inspiration into your heart tangible. And that leads me to the last principle about making decisions that's this step out because some things are only revealed through the journey you need to step out because some of the things are only revealed through the journey after consulting peter and james that's exactly what paul does he steps out this is what he says in galatians after that visit he visited them i went north into the providences of syria and sicilia he goes out to just start preaching to the churches and still the churches in christ 
that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that the people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. He goes into those areas and like, whoa, this guy that was killing everybody else, the Jew of Jews, man, if he's converted, right? Think about that. If he's converted, then who can't God convert? And so they were encouraged and they were exciting, excited. But Paul had to head out to preach because at that point when he headed out, he didn't know yet that he was called to the Gentiles. He wasn't aware of that at that moment. Because he would go to a city, and when he would go to a city, the first thing he would do, if you can read through the book of Acts, he would go to the temple or the synagogue. And that's where he would preach. He went to where the Jews were. So he thought, man, I am called to the Jewish people. I'm going to preach to the Jewish people. And what he found was that some of those people would believe in him, and then some would not believe in the message of Jesus Christ. And the ones that did not believe in the message of Jesus Christ, like him previously, got very offended. And so they, they would stir up riots and people against them, and then he would have to move on to another town. So he'd go to the next town, and he would preach or help plant the church. And so he kept doing this until he got to this one interesting encounter, because he's like, I'm going to head to another area where there's Jewish people. But then he, he has this encounter. It's written in the book of Acts. It's in your outline. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of my Asia, so they, they, they were in the, that was the east. Now they're, they're trying to go south to, to, uh, to the border of my Asia. They, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them, allow them to. So they passed by my Asia and went to Troas, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So he's trying to go one way, he won't, God won't let him. He tries to go another way, God won't let him. He tries to go another way, God won't let him. And then he has this vision of Macedonia. You know what Macedonia is? It was Greece. He's calling you to, the, that was like the center of pagan worship and Gentiles. God's like, this is where I want you. Think about that for a moment. Paul had to step out, start on the journey, and through the journey is when God revealed the answer to him. It re revealed what he wanted to speak to him. Never would Paul have known that he was the apostle to the Gentiles if he hadn't stepped out and decided to do it. The Bible says this, it's one of my favorite verses, uh, it's in Isaiah, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I love this verse because it speaks to me and it's helped me so many times in life because I get paralyzed with big decisions sometimes. And it says this, notice, the, notice what comes first, the action. Whether you step to the right or you step to the left, and that's it. Sometimes we have a two to see. I don't know if I should go this way. I don't know if I should go this way. And God says, listen, step one of the ways. And when you do, you'll hear my voice. Step one of those ways, and then you'll hear my voice behind you. And that's what Paul did. And sometimes we have to take an action. We have to step out. Let me explain it to you this way. Many people asked us, why Cape Coral? Last Thanksgiving, less than about seven months ago, we still didn't know where we were going to plant. We had a list now. We had a short list, but we didn't know we were going. And I'd been waiting for God to just kind of reveal it, but nothing was happening. I mean, it just wasn't, it wasn't on the license plates. I don't know. So I thought for a minute, like, if I'm going to hear from God, how does God speak to me? 
And I believe God speaks to us all a little bit differently, but like in what fashion does God speak to me? And I realized that God, as I thought about it in life, he usually has me step out into a direction. I guess that's why I love this verse so much. He's like, John, you got to start doing something because he wants us part of the process. He wants us to partner with him on the journey. And think about this for a minute. The reason he wants that is because when the answer comes, it's then that you'll own it, right? It's because you're a part of it. If he just gives you the answer, you might go, well, was that you, God, or is that the anchovies on the pizza? I'm not sure. But when, you, but when you're a part of the process, he's like, yeah, now you're going to own it. And so I thought to myself, well, if I was going to go plant a church, what would I do? Because I am, right? Like, so what would I do? So I just came up with some parameters. That's how I started. We had determined that Florida should be where we're going to plant, and that's another whole story for another time. But, and, there, and we also wanted to go where there was churches that were needed. So, I mean, there are churches needed everywhere, but we wanted there to be a need. That, okay, is there a lack of churches or a lack of uh, relevant churches that are in that area? And then also, um, I wanted to have an impact. So I wanted to, to go to a larger population, so I picked a parameter of 150,000 people or more. And so the first thing I did was I Googled cities of, in Florida by population, and here's like a list that I came up with. This is actually the, the exact list that I had in the Excel spreadsheet, and there they are, 1 through 10, and you can see I, I kind of grayed out the ones that were too close to Calvary. I didn't want to cause division and be too close, so I said these are not, not options. And then uh, some of those were on our list that you can see there, but then I saw this one right there at number 11. Can you believe it's the 11th largest city in Florida? It said Cape Coral. And I'm like, Cape Coral? Where is Cape Coral? Right? Has anybody ever thought that? You're like, where the heck is Cape Coral? I don't even know this place. And so it got on the list. And so we began to take this list, the short list that we now had, and we, visit, we took weekends and we went to visit them and we'd interview pastors that were there in those local areas. We had friends that were there that were going to church. We'd interview them and, and even like Baptist convention guys I was speaking to and just trying to find out, is this the right fit for us? And so we began to go to these different ones. And when we went to, to Cape Coral, we began to really pray and, and think about this place. And um, it just kept coming up as positive. I remember the, the first day that we visited, we had a great, amazing tour and, and it, talked with different people. And as we left, I just remember my wife saying these exact words, John, it feels like an open door. It's an open door. Then I called a guy that was a Southern Baptist convention guy for that area, and I'm talking to him over the phone, and, and he's telling me, and I go, so what do you think about this area? Is it nature's? He goes, yeah, I can always use churches. You know, he goes, it's open. It's open. I kept hearing open. I kept hearing yes every time we were talking about it. And, and, I, and I thought, well, he told me this one other thing that really helped me, and he said this. I've been doing research, uh, of my own personal research, and he said there are less churches per capita per person here in Cape Coral than there is in Miami-Dade in Broward and West Palm Beach. And I'm like, wow. So there is a need for churches in this area. And so, man, my, my prayer began to change. So in December, my, my prayer changed from God, show me where you want me to plant to, God, this is where I believe you want me to plant, right? I took the step and I said, show me if I'm wrong. Take me off course if it's not the place that you have for me. And so that began to change. And, and over time, things just got we kept feeling more and more positive. And so we took more and more trips there to meet more and more people. And one of the conversations I had with him was a pastor who was there. And he said, you know how Cape Coral came to be? Because Cape Coral is this weird enigma. Fort Myers is right next to it. And there's 70,000 people, but there's 190,000 in Cape Coral, but all the industry is in Fort Myers. So I'm like, how the heck did this place even come into being? Why is there so many people living here? It's, it's so strange. And he said, so he says to me, you need to read a book that's called Lies That Came True. 
And in it, it describes how Cape Coral came to be. It was started in 1957 by these guys, the Rosen brothers. They, they had, at that time, there was really not much, um, not much uh, residences or, or development south of Tampa. And so they bought this area that was Cape Coral, that peninsula, and, and they began to develop it to sell the, sell the land as lots and make lots of money, right? And so what they had to do was dredge what they do call dredge the canals. There you can see tons of them there. And they dredged all these canals so that they could take the fill to build up the land so then they could sell the lots. And, and so they were selling to all over the country. And even some relatives here have come, people have relatives that said they bought a Cape Coral because they thought they were going to retire there and all these other things because they marketed it so well. In fact, there are so many canals in here. There's 400 miles of canal in Cape Coral. That's, they boast that it's more canals than any city in the world, even Venice, Italy. In fact, there's so many canals here that it says that it affects the local ecology and the tides are also effective locally there. It's kind of interesting. And the reason I'm telling you this is because in May, fast forward another five months, I, I'm, I'm reading some of the scriptures that I had written down and kind of logged in my little journal. And, and at the time, two years ago, now think about this, two years ago is a long time ago, but I was praying about God and what he would do and where he would send us. And at that time, I was questioning in my heart like about what God was doing. And I wrote this, I'm just gonna quote what I wrote. I said, I had been studying for my message on January 3rd. I was teaching here on January 3rd and, I ref and reflecting back on a year of fasting twice monthly, questioning in my heart why I had not heard more strongly from God. And then I saw this as I was looking for scriptures for the message. And I wrote this verse down, it's up here on the screen. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Go ahead. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. At, at that time, two years ago, that first portion was like, don't remember the things of past. I'm going to do a new thing. And I'm like, God, you're speaking to me. But this second half, man, you know how many times we've wrote, written that road through the wilderness called the Alligator Alley? <laughs> and when I read this the second time, two years later, it jumped off the page at me. And I ran to see my wife, and I'm like, baby, this is the scripture. This is where we need to be. But you know what? We never would have known that if we didn't start on the journey. This verse never would have made any sense in any other city if we hadn't already said, this is where we think it is, God. And then God showed up and confirmed it to us. Where, where are you guys at today? I mean, maybe you're wrestling with some big decisions. Maybe you're afraid to go to God with them because you're like, God, I think the answer that you're gonna give me is not the answer that I really wanna know. Or maybe you're like, I, I've been thinking about these things for a while now. And maybe it's time that I made it tangible. Maybe it's time that I shared it with somebody because now I can't, now they know, right? They know they're going to try to plant a church. Can't come back now, right? It's like, kind of, I have to leave. I don't know what it is for you. And, or maybe it's even, you know what you're supposed to do and you still just haven't taken the step. And maybe you're waiting and you're thinking, God, what is the, what is, when are you going to speak to me about this? And you're going on about your life. You're going about your busy work and you're saying, God, you're, I'm waiting for you to speak to me and maybe God has spoken to you. Do you realize this verse came two years? God was there all along. All along, he had written this verse and saying, God, John, I'm speaking to you. You don't see it yet, but I am speaking to you. And maybe God has already spoken to you because he's spoken into your heart and he's waiting right now for you to take a step so that he can complete 
the work that he wants to do in you today. This is an interesting verse in, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of those kooky prophets that prophets out into the future past what we even live in the age we're living in right now. And he sees a future temple. And in, from this temple, this river is coming out from the throne of God. And this, this man, this angel calls him to and shows him this kind of illustration. I want you to read it with me. He says, he, this is the angel, brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. So the, the man goes into the river and he measures out a line. Then he pulls the guy out to him and he gets up to his ankles, right? And so again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000. He brought me through the water and it came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000 in the river, uh, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And this is an illustration of this prophet, and God was calling him into waters that were deeper. And he gets to this one, okay, maybe I can make that decision, right? It's not too deep. Then he calls us into another thing, well, maybe that's not more than I can handle yet. And then he calls us up to here, and then he gets to here, and he's like, God, I think, I think I can't go any further. And some of us are here, and we're scared to go the next portion. But God is calling us to the next portion. You know that song, Oceans? I believe it's from this verse right here. God's calling us into deeper water. God is calling us out to go over our heads. He's calling us to do things that we're not capable of doing so that he can do things in us that we're not capable of doing. Does that make sense? I don't know what God is, decision you're wrestling with, what God's calling you to do. Sometimes we think our way is better. We see all the logic. We think of it all, we got all the answers, but we don't have all the perspective. And we definitely don't have God's perspective. And maybe what's logical to us is illogical to God, but it's perfect sense to him. Right? It's perfect sense. Just like Paul wasn't called to the Jewish people, but he was called to the Gentiles. It didn't make sense at all, but it was God's choice. And the only way you're going to discover it, though, is when you seek God, is when you ask him what his choice is, but then you have to step out. Because there's a verse waiting for you somewhere that he already planted because he wants to prove to you that he was there all along. Listen, you're going to be in situations that are over your head all the time. Have you ever gone to pray in the hospital for someone who was terminally ill? I have. It's a bit scary. You're in over your head. Have you ever coexisted with another imperfect being? It's called marriage. You're in over your head. Have you ever had to influence little humans and hope they turn out right? It's called parenting. You're in over your head. Have you ever tried to help someone who is deeply hurting from tragedy? I mean, what do you say? You're in over your head. Have you ever tried to share the gospel with a family member? You're in over your head. God calls us all the time into things where we're in over our heads. And I know that God is calling people here today. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to repair a relationship with someone. Maybe it's to, instead of just dreaming about what that marriage can be and waiting for God to show you a sign, it's to actually step out and do something about it. I'm not sure what 
it is that you have today or God is speaking to you about. But my prayer for you is that you're going to discover it because God is going to call you into into situations that are above your pay grade. And the reason he does that is because he wants you to come to him, to seek him. See, if we could do it all our own, we would just go about doing whatever. But God loves you so much. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be there for you. But it means we have to come to him. God is waiting, just like he was waiting for me, and like he was waiting for Ezekiel, and like he was waiting for Paul. He's waiting on the other side. And so go to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you are a faithful God. Lord, because we don't hear you right now, because we don't see you, it's not because you're faithless. It's because we are the ones who lack the faith. God, you're always faithful. You're always there. Lord, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the difficult decision, Lord, help us to have the faith to trust you. That even when it doesn't seem logical, even when it doesn't seem like it might be right, to do it your way, to trust you. Because God, your way is always best. Whoever's struggling right now with a question, God, I pray that you're going to answer today. Pray that they would find themselves asking, but not just asking, also seeking. And that they would find you there in the midst. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And if everybody would just keep their head bowed for a moment. If you want to follow where God leads, and if you want God to take over your life and help you with the decisions, it starts with allowing him into your heart. It starts with accepting Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die and take away every barrier that existed between you and God. That's how much he loves you. And all we have to do to start on that journey is to accept him inside. And it's like a simple prayer that I would love to lead you in right now today. And if that's you, if you want to accept Jesus and begin that journey, can you raise your hand in the air just so I can see who I'm praying for? God bless you in the back. God bless you on the sides. God bless you guys all over. So all I'm going to do is just ask you to pray this prayer, repeat the words, but it's from you. It's your heart. And so I'm going to ask everybody in this congregation to pray as we do. Just say these words. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross to save me from my sins. Right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me for all I've done wrong to wash me clean, to make me new. Today, I'm making you my Lord and Savior and my friend. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.